once verified. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Hello, Captains. You're listening to episode 324 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast, and your weekly report on all things Star Trek, recorded live on Thursday, June 29th, 2017, and available for download or streaming on Monday, July 3rd at PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm Elijah. I'm Kenna. And I'm Tony. And in the audio booth is our audio engineer, Winters. Greetings, everyone. All right, Tony, we've got a lot to cover. Tell us what we've got in store this week. This week, we trek out the remaining exclusives that Entertainment Weekly scored on Star Trek Discovery, including the announcement of a very special someone sitting in the director's chair for an episode of the new series. In Star Trek Online news, we're gearing up for the newly announced Season 13.5, reviewing the new Kobayashi Maru event and previewing the latest featured episode, with new voiceover from veteran Star Trek actor J.G. Hertzler. And to discuss some of these updates, we welcome Star Trek Online's executive producer Stephen Salamian Inferno Ricosa. And of course, as always, before we wrap up the show, we open up hailing frequencies for your incoming messages. Those hailing frequencies are always open, Captains, so we want to hear from you. Be sure to reach out to us via Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Priority One Podcast. We're also on Twitter at Priority One Pod, or shoot us an email to incoming at Priority One Podcast.com. Thanks again to all of our Patreon supporters who make this show possible from week to week. Now, This part of the show is normally where I do a blurb that I scripted. Elijah told me to ad-lib the whole thing. And no, he's right, though, because, you know, I give you the same spiel every week. But I really, really believe in all of our listeners who contribute via Patreon. I mean, you guys are the ones who keep us going. This show is not free to produce. We put in a lot of time and effort. And you guys help us keep the show coming every single week and we really really appreciate it so anybody new who's interested in finding out more including some of the perks that we offer you can go to patreon.com forward slash priority one and we'd really appreciate if you would consider making a financial contribution and just before we start the show a little reminder again that we're always looking for members of the priority one listener community to join the team and help contribute to our little corner of the galaxy we're currently looking for audio editors if you think you might be interested Send us an email to incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. Now, let's check out the latest news from the Star Trek multiverse. Jim, what in places? I don't know. Then let's check it out. Last week, we reported that the June 30th edition of Entertainment Weekly had a few exclusives from the production of Star Trek Discovery due to release on September 24th. We actually spent a lot of time talking about it, and this week, after getting the three pages in our hands, there really isn't much more to add from the magazine. However, when asked about what separates Discovery from previous incarnations of Star Trek, showrunner Aaron Harbert said, quote, It's a serialized telling of a tale, and exploration of one particular character, Michael Burnham, 
It's been hard to do in the television iterations because episodes have been so closed-ended, end quote. Yes, yeah, so this is definitely a new direction for Star Trek, right? In, in, mm-hmm. in the quote, he talks about how, you know, the films kind of dig deep into some of the characters and, and they have a long, longer period of time to kind of talk about that and, and yeah. explore that. Whereas a lot of this, the episodes that we've watched, and for people who don't really know the difference between the, what is meant by serialized, it's that instead of it being an episode in a bottle where, you know, there's a problem in the beginning, you know, a, a climax in the middle and a, and a resolution at the end, yep. the story will, a single story arc will progress over several episodes. So imagine... A soap opera. Best of both worlds. <laughs> Right. Imagine that story being told for an entire season rather than just two episodes. Mm -hmm. And that's what you can expect from Star Trek Discovery. This story featuring Michael Burnham, played by Sonequa Martin-Green, will stretch over 13 episodes. Yeah, which we, we haven't really seen that much in Star Trek but is very much the way a lot of uh, more recent successful TV series have gone where you actually, you know, you have the whole series and there's one big story that happens. There are episodes, so there's, you know, little things going on, chapters. but generally speaking, yeah, like right. chapters of a larger story. Right. Deep Space Nine skimmed the surface of, of this, and especially towards the last three seasons or so with the Dominion War, it became more serialized. There was an under there was a, an overall storyline with the Dominion War that played out through several episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, which is pro- which is something that Ronald D. Moore pushed. Am I am I right, Tony? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You can definitely see how he took that idea and transferred it to Battlestar Galactica later when he did the reboot. Right. Yeah. So and mm-hmm. it's 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 you know it's the new way you're watching TV. It's people are engaging in, in uh, episodes uh, and and series like this now. It's the people expect to consume an arc now. Uh, that's kind of exactly. what people are thinking. The reset button doesn't really work for people anymore. And that's where that's where the challenges in the past has been. You have to end the episode more or less with the characters in the same spot that they began, more or less, mm-hmm. because yeah. then you can syndicate it and you can put 180 episodes out there and then the those TV stations can air them in any order and you're never really out of sync. Um, yeah. And that that's not how these uh, you know more recently produced shows are designed. When asked about Trek influences, Berg also had to say this, quote, There's a hint of all of them, but in the writer's room, people are so in love with the original series and the next generation, and they talk about the family aspects of those cast members, end quote. Harberts added that having Nicholas Meyer on has also helped shape the series. He mentioned that, quote, There's also a little hint in terms of what J.J. Abrams did, a little bit, in terms of some of the visuals. Now, here's the thing when it comes to text interviews is that you lose some inflections in the translation, right? Mm-hmm. I'm like the way the way it's written is there's also a little hint in terms of what JJ Abrams did, comma, a little bit, comma, in terms of some of the visuals. Like is he trolling us right now? Is that what he's no. doing? I, I kind of no, get the sense that no. he's trolling us a little bit. No, yeah, no. Well, I'm sure he turn, tunes in every week. I'm sure he tunes in because every week. Because Disco- not us, not oh. uh, uh, because I mean Discovery screams JJ verse, screams updated. Well, JJ didn't go to Switzerland to get the fabric for the uniforms, Mister. Oh. That's true. That's true. Mm-mm-mm. They're totally original on that one, sir. So I, I wonder have a little you know. bit if he's trolling here. I would have loved to have like heard an audio recording of this interview. 
<laughs> like, did he have a smirk as he delivered that? Like, just yeah. the smallest little thing. Yeah. You know, is like, That's... are we getting trolled? When asked about the story, there wasn't much more added to what we already know. She's human, raised on Vulcan, who has to make a difficult choice that, quote, affects her, affects Starfleet, affects the Federation. It affects, it affects the, the entire universe. That choice leads her to a different ship, the Discovery, helmed by Captain Lorca, played by Jason Isaacs. And there we begin what Gretchen and I call our second pilot, end quote. So, second pilot. Are they forcing themselves into a the cage versus where no man has gone before kind of scenario? Like, are they? is that what they're trying to do here? I don't understand this whole second pilot thing. No, um, this is totally I mean, I, Section I think, 31. She starts yeah, off I, with the Shinzao and being in the regular Starfleet, and then Ermagerd, and then she has to go to the dark side. So, I, I mean, maybe. That may mm-hmm. be the case. But I, I think it's interesting that they're doing a, a sort of a sort of prequel. I guess this is what this is. This one episode. This first episode is going to end up being a prologue or preamble to what we're going to see, the actual story, in the next 12 episodes. So... Mm-hmm. I think that's, I mean, that that's interesting storytelling, or, or I, I suppose. Or they're going to have a mid-season break, so they're going to have six episodes, and then mm. mid-season break, a cliffhanger, oh my god, and then she goes over to the other one with their second pilot. I was going to ask, because I don't I don't think they they talked about how long the story was going to be before she has to make that decision. Yeah. Um, oh, that's true. The way, the way that I read it was just, you know, what, a, what does a pilot do? It introduces you to all the characters. It builds the world for you. Uh, it makes sense the way that they've just described the choice that she has to make, that her world sounds like it's going to be turned upside down. And we, as the audience, as well as her, are going to have to reestablish all of the rules, what the whole world around her is. And that's kind of what I take away as being the second pilot. We have to reestablish all of the players in the game, all the locations, and, and the setting and the mood. I like. Now, probably the biggest takeaway was when Entertainment Weekly pointed out Gene Roddenberry's cardinal rule of no major conflicts between the crew members and if Discovery would restrict themselves in this way. Harberts had this to say, quote, No, we're trying to do stories that are complicated with characters with strong points of view and strong passions. People have to make mistakes. Mistakes are still going to be made in the future. We're still going to argue in the future. It's about how they find a solution and work through their problems. End quote. So I'm less concerned about these in-office conflict rules and care more about what social political themes they're going to address and how. Uh, long story short, except for two or three new images, we've got a lot of the same stuff that's from this these exclusives that we've already heard before over the last over the last year or so. But with regard to the cardinal rule, it that it, there's no way you can create an, a, a serialized television series and try to follow that cardinal rule. Unfortunately, no, it just there's no way. It's not going to sell. One of the major criticisms of the Star Trek franchise in the past has been that the Federation is it's too much like a utopia and it's it's not realistic. It's it's maybe futuristic, a little pie in the sky, but realistically, are we really never going to have conflicts between people? I mean, especially, you know, you get down to... Uh, I, I, I get, you know, taking away the economic aspect, maybe that stops us from fighting over money, but, you know, what about affairs of the heart, for instance? I don't think that can be... I'm not, I fail to see how in just because it's the 24th century, we're all like cool. (laughs) 
We all know that once you're promoted to Admiral in Starfleet, you automatically go insane and become sort of loose cannon. You know, I need to take away your badge kind of thing. You know, Kirk stole a starship. Cartwright uh, betrayed the Federation to that whole Klingon conspiracy thing. Uh, Admiral, uh, uh, that the Admiral in Insurrection went nuts with the Sona. There's the Admiral in uh, DS9 that tried to take over the Federation Council or whatever. I, we know that there's conflict in the future, but it's always like the one-off character. It's always the guy that we can write you off at the end of the scene, or you know, we don't. You know, we clearly he went to the Federation penal colony, and we never have to see him in another episode again. It's different when their name is in the credits up at the top of the show. You know they're gonna. You, you can't walk away from that problem you have with that other character, and that is what. But it is what makes uh, soap operas good, right? You know that the villain ain't going away. The villain is entrenched. Yeah. And also, in this case, you can... It, if you do have a problem with not quite adhering to that ideal of, you know, in Star Trek land, there's no conflicts between people, you could kind of make it make sense because this is before the original series. So maybe this is not quite there yet. Yeah. Air quotes, not quite there sure. yet. I mean, he does say... Uh, we're still going to argue in the future, and it's about how they find a solution and work through their problems, which I which I like. I think that that is not in conflict with that sort of ideal future, and I think it works. The the other thing too is television formula, right? The, we we just spoke about it a moment ago in terms of mm-hmm. serialized versus open and closed ended episodes, where you really cannot have conflict, personal conflict, to the degree that that you know we see in in a series like Walking Dead or Battlestar Galactica and try to wrap that up in in a 40 minute episode you know there's just no way that that's going to happen my daughter watches disney episodes all the time that argues with you oh you've been so mean to me oh but i love you oh me too and it's all in 20, 22 minutes they do it in 22 yeah but that features teenagers <laughs> okay point taken so it it becomes nearly impossible to tell any any to get deep into a character and deep into any story or plot when you're locked into a 40 minute episode you know so i wonder if the cardinal rule also was influenced by television at the time oh sure mm-hmm. i think so and what's funny is that somebody who grew up with the television of that time who watched star trek the first time around texted me last week about this very concept and she was mad my mother was very mad about this. <laughs> allow me to read. Allow me to read what my mother texted me that I shared with all the the, the good people here at uh, at Priority One. What she says was, "Why do they have to mess with something good? Why don't they just call the show a different name if they are changing it?" But what about with respect to what? With this, with the idea of, of changing the Roddenberry's sort of ideal of how things were working uh, in the future and that kind of stuff. Yeah, but, was, Ro- but Ronald D. Moore definitely did that. So did Ira Bear. And, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and share with you exactly how much Next Generation and DS9 and uh, uh, Voyager oh, my mother watched. None. I see, I okay, see, so <laughs> that's, yeah. She did love Battlestar Galactica, though. You know, people are always saying that Deep Space Nine is, you know, one of some of the best storytelling. You know, people argue with me all the time about it. And I'm a fan of serialized storytelling. It didn't work for me in Deep Space Nine, worked for me in Battlestar Galactica, and I hope that it's going to work for me in Star Trek Discovery. As so long as they tell the story and, you know, that it doesn't just, it isn't gratuitous shock value conflict just to have a conflict, but that there's story behind it. Story that's true to the Star Trek mythos. So that's about all that we got. That was from Entertainment Weekly's coverage. 
Moving on, we have some extraordinary news regarding Discovery that gave a lot of us a bright new outlook on the series, which also came from Entertainment Weekly. It wasn't in that big feature, but it was from them, and they seem to be the ones who just know all about Star Trek lately. I don't know. Remember when, a few weeks back in episode 317, we reported that Jonathan Frakes tweeted a picture while on the set of what looked like the window of a starship? It later seemed to be from the set of The Orville, which crushed our little Trekkie hearts because we desperately wanted it to be for Discovery. Well, it turns out eh, that tweet was, in fact, from the set of The Orville, but Frakes is directing an episode of Discovery. This might not have hit... A round of applause. As long as he leaves his joystick at home, it's going to be just fine. Shut up, Tony. Don't shut on it, all right? Holy crap. This might not have hit the pages of the magazine, but writer-producer Gretchen J. Berg told EW, quote, Jonathan Frakes will rejoin the Trek world with Discovery. He's a fantastic guy and a great director, end quote. This is sensational. I don't know that people really recognize this, nor is it something that Frakes boasts about, but he worked very closely with Gene Roddenberry during the filming of, of The Next Generation. And unlike Drexler, Okuda, Moore, Braga, Burr, you name it, he learned how to make the writer's text translate for the camera. And more importantly, he learned how to present Star Trek on film. In turn, he really is an extension of Roddenberry himself. Yet with enough like creativity and, and scope of work to not bottleneck himself. The thing I always liked about the way that he interpreted things was uh, it's it's simultaneously serious and lighthearted. Um, it doesn't it doesn't go all like it doesn't go super gritty, um, but you can still tackle serious subjects. Um, you know, with a bit of bit of light. I, I go after him for the joystick thing, but he is my third favorite Star Trek director of all time, right behind Leonard Nimoy. And that's that's mm. hard. I mean, that's a hard, and it really is just the joystick that separates those two. Both <laughs> Nimoy and uh, Frakes, they get they get Star Trek. They get why it's been so successful, and they can they make it they make it real, but not so terribly real that you're just you know that you're afraid of it. It he, it's it it invites people into that world. Where mm-hmm. it's it's part serious things that have galactic consequence, and part these are people who are going to the office every day doing this job. There are mm-hmm. people that like some of the we see these episodes, we see these crises that they have to go through, but that's ten percent of their time. The rest of the time, they're like cataloging some anomalies and stuff, and oh, you know what? I forgot I, I left my phaser down in the thing. Can you go get that for me? Oh, okay. No. I mean, half the time it's water cooler talk on these starships, <laughs> yeah. right? They're in the middle of the vacuum yeah, of space. There's is. nothing there. So, I mean, yeah. it, once you have that balance between these are real people doing real jobs and today they're going to save the world, I, I think that's where those type of directors really, really connect with audiences. Speaking of Jonathan Frakes, we have an upcoming blog article being published by one of our writers, John Kirk. So we want you to be on the lookout for that on PriorityOnePodcast.com. Well, keeping with the slight discovery theme so far, if you intend on coming to San Diego Comic-Con this year, you're not going to want to miss the Star Trek Discovery panel, which is happening on Saturday, July 22nd at 2.30 p.m. in Ballroom 20. Now, not much beyond that has been announced yet, including who will be in attendance at the panel. The tease was released along with a short animation clip and iconic symphonic theme underscoring it. 
why haven't they announced that they're coming to Star Trek Las Vegas this year? It's like the Star Trek convention. They really need to be there. They heard it was at the Rio. No, because it's three weeks away from July 22nd, and it's another two weeks after that. So now if we get past July 22nd and they still haven't announced it, I think there will be a lot of people disappointed. But I don't know. Arguably, San Diego Comic-Con is a much bigger draw than STLV, as much as we love it. And a far greater reach. Exactly. Mm -hmm. They're trying to push Star Trek beyond the bounds of just my mother. Uh, so I mean that's they're they're trying to grab people who like comic books and people mm-hmm. who like Star Wars, you know that other show. Uh, so San Diego Comic Con makes a lot of sense. Well, that wraps it up for news throughout the Star Trek multiverse. Now it's time to find out what happened in Star Trek Online news. Computer status report. Status. Incoming message. I'm only in the mood for good news today. Well, Captains, welcome once again to Star Trek Online News, where we're getting excited for Season 13.5 on the PC. Woohoo! This half-seasonal update is packed with some fun new systems, and executive producer Stephen Ricosa is here to chat to us about it. But first, let's have a look at the new mega bundle of ships that has just landed on console this week. The multi-mission explorer Mega Bundle made its way to Xbox One and PlayStation 4 this week. There are nine ships here, with tactical, engineering, and science variants for each of the three factions, Federation, Klingon, and Romulan. For those of you into buzzwords, yes, this is the bundle containing the Tier 6 Festa. Festa. (laughs) Of course, the proper name is the Multi-Mission Surveillance Explorer, Bridget Class. But it's not just the Vesta in here. There's a Tier 6 version of the Aventine called the Palpatine... Palatine class. The Aventine featured in multiple Star Trek novels and was most recently captained by Esri Dax. Notable as well in this bundle is that the KDF ships are all Gorn ships. I'm sure we talked about that when these came out on PC a while back. These ships all feature special consoles and starship traits. The ship consoles pretty much all work to form set pieces with each other, so you may want to pick them up as a bundle. In addition to being available as a faction-specific bundle of all three ships, you can buy them individually or as the full mega bundle of nine. Moving to the PC now, and one awesome event that happened over the weekend. The Kobayashi Maru has finally come to Star Trek Online. Cryptic calls it, quote, the original no-win scenario, end quote. And it's just about as true to the spirit of the Kobayashi Maru as you can get. Of course, the Kobayashi Maru was the training exercise featured in both Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan and more recently in Star Trek 09, where a cheeky Chris Pine cheated his way to, quote, winning the no-win scenario, which, of course, set the scene for his later relationship with Spock. Uh, Now, a little trivia about the ship we see in the game. We've only ever seen the Kobayashi Maru in Star Trek 09, so it's actually kind of a mashup between the Kelvin timeline and the Prime timeline. If you'd like to see some orthographic images of the model, lead ship artist Thomas Moroni posted them up on Reddit, which, of course, we will link to in the show notes. Have you guys got a chance to actually play this yet? Because I I didn't get a chance to today. Oh, yeah. Did you have any problems with lag? Because I know that they were tweeting out uh, just as it was launched that they were looking into some lagging issues. I was getting some strange, like, fast-forward motions. Huh. Yeah, that's lag. That's like... The opposite of lag. Yeah, no, like, I... It's a, it's a sync problem. It's yeah. a syncing problem. Mm. I cut my engine power, and I kept on going. But my ship was turning. You know, like, when I turned the ship, it'd go flip, and it would turn on a dime. 
Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, that's what it's, it is. Yeah, yeah, it's lag. But so. uh, <clears throat> tell me, tell me about. Tell me about what, what, how it is, because by the time that this episode comes out, it will have been and gone. Um, and so I want to know wh- what it's like. Is it an Owen scenario? We do talk about it a little bit with Steven, but, I mean, give us your impressions, Mr. Winters. Uh, I only got to play it a couple of times. I think it has potential. It's going to take a little bit of time for people to figure out, you know, like, what is the best tactics to use. Like, uh, some would be you know, four DPS guys to handle anything that's incoming and one healer. Another one would be uh, tractor beam repulsor builds. They could work mm-hmm. quite well in this. One thing that's different is, compared to the old no-win scenario, is the Kobayashi Maru is not stationary. It will actually go into the fight. For To actually, does it shoot things? Yes. Or just like, it actually oh, fights. It, does. it actually goes and it, it'll move around the map and it'll go into fight. So... One thing that I imagine will become very helpful or useful in this event is the use of threatening stance. Because when oh, the Kobayashi right. Maru is just charging in, guns blazing, you need to yeah. a- put out a draw crap turn of threat to you know draw the fire away to from the co- from the Kobayashi mm-hmm. Maru. The highest that I've got is up as far as level six. Mm-hmm. I had two, I think, where I didn't even get past level 3 if you do not get past level 3 you get no rewards absolutely nothing which kind of sucks a little bit Uh, I kind of think you know there should be something for each level not not just you know uh, milestones as you progress hey Winters did you pug this did you join a random team or did you go in with a group of people every one that I done I pugged it and mm. we we only got as far as uh, level six was the highest that we got on any of them. I think I got to level six like three times. I've heard of some people getting up as far as I think level thirteen on it, mm-hmm. but they were uh, not pug groups, pickup groups. No question, because this is ostensibly to uh, to serve as a replacement for the no win scenario, which was very popular, and people still asking when's the no win scenario coming back, and presumably this is meant to be a a substitute it's for gone. that does it does it fulfill that role do you think i mean even though it's just a you know a weekend event do you think it 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 does that but one of the things that made the no win scenario so popular was the accolades believe it or not mm-hmm. because the rewards were pretty crap for it the thing is though we haven't heard anything if um there are accolades attached to this it hasn't been stated mm-hmm. in any of the blogs. Right. The highest that I got in the old no-win scenario was level 9. So I got the outstanding teammate accolade. And, uh, of course, I, I want the level 10 one, Kirk's Protégé. Everybody wants mm-hmm. that one. And yeah. I'm kind of curious if uh, I can get it now through this new Kobayashi Maru event. Um, hmm. I don't know. In terms of tactics and gameplay, what what is the major difference? I remember that in the no-one scenario, there were four quadrants that you had to worry about. Yeah. Is this similar? Is this a similar kind of... Kinda. There's four, we'll call them satellites, in the map. They will show what level you're currently on. I haven't figured out exactly. Um, I think it's when you hit different stages. Uh, weapons can come out from those satellites. I haven't figured out the pattern yet for each level. Uh, you know, like where the enemies come from. I don't know if it's random it yet. Or, or rather, when I say linear, I mean, are you going from point A to point B in a straight line? Or is it like a four quadrant? You have to watch your back and find out who, where they're coming in from. You you need to be looking at the minimap to see where they're coming in from for the next level. 
because mm-hmm. and one thing that you definitely need to do with this is you need to set focus on the Kobayashi Maru because it's not stationary and it's going into combat you need to have that thing pinned to your UI because if the shields start going down you might need to select it quickly and rather than looking for it if you've got it pinned on your UI you can simply click it and you can throw a tack team on it or an engineering team or a transfer shield strength or whatever can you just explain what you mean? Because when I think of set focus, I think of, you know, targeting something, but then obviously you can't shoot anything. Um, what do you mean by set focus? So at the start of the mission, after the 30-second timer has elapsed, you need to move mm-hmm. forward, get within about 12 kilometers of the Kobayashi Maru, and you mm-hmm. need to target it. You need to actually click on it and select it. And right. it will appear up on the top of your screen mm-hmm. what your currently selected target is. You need to yeah. right-click there and select set focus and that will okay. permanently pin it onto your oh onto the top you'll of get that another screen, icon regardless of yeah. who you're actually yes. targeting at that moment so oh, that's yeah, you'll get another little icon that'll be it. you can always keep an eye on its strength you can see if one of its shield facings is going down if one of the shield facings is going down mm-hmm. and you're within 10 kilometers you can throw a tack team on it very very quickly and still get back onto your main target that you were shooting at Gotcha. No, that's a really that's a really good hint. Yeah. And do you think this is going to be something that is is you're going to need to be uh, a, a a real tight tactical team? Because that was one of the things uh, I actually joined the game either just after it was decommissioned or just before. I never got a chance to play it, but I know that it was one of those things that fleets would coordinate teams and train people up to be able to do the no-win scenario. That was like a big deal amongst uh, fleets. Oh, yeah. Do you think the, do you think the Kobayashi Maru is going to end up being something similar to that in terms of, you know, coordination? Well, it really depends on whether or not they're going to leave it in the game. I mean, mm. you know, it's just around for the weekend yeah. currently. For me, it was always nice to have that there because it was like, right, you know, let's get a team together, let's train and get this down to a fine art and we'll beat this thing and like I said the highest that I ever got was uh, as far as level 9 on the old one so it'd be nice to do that again Um, I think if they leave it in game yeah people will strive to figure it out you know what's Mm -hmm. the best tactics well that actually brings us uh, to a good point to ask a community question this week did you play the Kobayashi Maru last weekend and what did you think about it So let's go ahead and move on now to the big news of the week. Season 13.5 has been announced for PC and it will be landing in mid-July. The big new features coming out are the Ferengi Admiralty campaign, which we've already talked about, and the new Endeavor system, which we'll talk about with Stephen Ricosa in just a few minutes. And finally, it's a new featured episode, which we haven't talked about yet at all. So let's do that now. With season 13.5, we're getting a new featured episode. It's going to be called Brushfire, and once again, it'll feature Tony Todd as General Rodek. J.G. Hertzler is the new addition to the voice cast of Star Trek Online, and he'll be reprising his role from Deep Space Nine as former Klingon Chancellor Martok. He's being held in a secret prison run by the Sona, the villains from Star Trek Insurrection. It'll be up to us, with the help from General Rodek, to rescue Martok. We hope. He'll be able to help us stop the Zinkethi. Once again, season 13.5 will be warping its way onto PC on Tuesday, July 18th. 
So, uh, worst kept secret in Star Trek Online history. <laughs> well, that was not their fault. No, it was not their fault. As is the case, and as has been the case before, the actor clearly didn't get the memo that they were under an NDA and yep. spilled the beans early. Uh, we are referring to an interview that we shared um, via Trek Geeks. A few episodes ago, they had J.G. Hertzler on to talk about uh, you know, his passion for Star Trek, and and then he accidentally slipped that he would be voicing <laughs> a character in Star Trek Online. So there's that. I don't think that that's a bad thing because people were excited yeah. to hear, and they're still excited. I don't think it's a yeah. bad thing. I don't like this idea of locking down information. Now, well, a lot of that also has to do with contracting things. Like, it's, 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 it's more than just keeping things under wraps it i'm sure some of it had to do with contracts and you know when can it be announced and whatnot kind of like sonequa martin yeah. green like oh let's keep it let's keep it secret we have to keep it secret why because she's on the walking dead who gives a crap right it's like who gives a crap but it's when lawyers get involved i mean look at tony he always poops on, on everything on. we do hang yeah. on hang on <laughs> yeah, always, I a know mess. I'm, always a mess i know i'm mr I know I'm Mr. No Fun Guy, but part of it is the realities of development, too. If something were to happen, mm-hmm. a mechanic broke, they lost a key person who was going to you know, finish up development of this whatever, yeah. they might have had to push the episode back, and then people would have been disappointed, and, oh, you promised us. And, but, I mean, I think there's some of that, too. Now that the episode's in the can, and they're just working through the last of the QA, it's ready for release, now they'll announce it because know, they know it can go out. Mm-hmm. So... We were talking a little bit earlier, and Winters had dropped a bit of a tip for the Kobayashi Maru with regard to that UI and setting focus, but it doesn't stop there. Winters has got another weekly top tip. In an effort to lend a hand to new players, or even surprise the most veteran captains in Star Trek Online, here's my weekly top tip. This week I'm going to discuss mixing of both torpedoes and energy weapons on your space build. Many of you may already be aware of this, but often the most effective builds in STO do not include any torpedoes in a space build. There are a number of reasons for this, and when you take the time to sit down and look at it, it actually makes a lot of sense. Let's take, for example, a build that has beam weapons and maybe one torpedo on it. In order to make that single torpedo worthwhile, you are going to have to spend at least two or three points in your skill tree to make that weapon any good. Whereas if you don't have any torpedoes on the build and only have energy weapons, then you are saving at least two or three points in your skill tree that can be assigned somewhere else, maybe to increase your survivability for example. Now let's look at your bridge officer abilities for the same build. Remember, we are flying a beam boat with one torpedo on it, but this example will work for any energy weapon build. So let's say we have a tactical lieutenant commander seat. Our first ability might be Tactical Team 1, which as we all know gives a boost to weapon damage as well as automatically redistributes shield strength. Our second ability might be Attack Pattern Beta 1, which is a damage resistance debuff on your currently selected target. And finally, our third ability is Beam Fire Will 3. This is a weapon buff that allows you to fire on multiple targets at once. Now if you notice, out of the three abilities that we listed on our Lieutenant Commander seat, we were able to buff every weapon that is on our ship with every ability except the torpedo. Even if you did put a torpedo high yield or a torpedo spread on there, then you would be using a whole bridge officer ability to buff a single weapon, 
obviously this isn't very efficient. Now don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that you cannot put torpedoes on your build, because you can. It's one of the beautiful things about STO, you can do nearly anything that you want. Just be aware that if you do, then you might not be reaching your full potential compared to if you specialised, i.e. focusing on either all energy weapons or all kinetic weapons. If you do specialise on all energy weapons, then power is going to be a big issue, and you will require things like the plasmonic leech, a number of engineering skills in the skill tree, and a number of universal consoles from the different reputations. And a big thanks to Johnny Simpson Jr. who, via Twitter, inspired this week's top tip. We hope we offered a decent explanation on why we often break immersion in Star Trek Online. And finally, in Priority One Armada news, it is my great pleasure to announce that we have two new recipients of the Armada's Medal of Honor. This is the highest award that can be issued to any member of the Star Trek Online Armada, and therefore, it is the most difficult to earn. We would like to officially recognize Admiral Stiles of the Priority One Delta Fleet and Admiral Rikers of the Priority One Epsilon Fleet for their incredible loyalty, commitment, and generosity to the Priority One Armada and to their respective fleet members. Well, that's it for this week's Star Trek Online news. Now let's chat with Star Trek Online's executive producer, Stephen Rocosa, a.k.a. Salami Inferno, to talk more about the new update coming for Season 13.5. Security clearance level 3 or above is required to access files. This is Captain Benjamin Sisko. Authorization Sisko Alpha 1 Alpha. Logs accessed. And joining us on this episode of Priority One Podcast is Star Trek Online's executive producer, Stephen Salami Inferno Ricosa. Stephen, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a while. It has been a while, but it's always great to be back on. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. So why don't we jump right in to talking about, well, Star Trek Online. So I want to talk a little bit about story progression, and and Don Brainham uh, had posted this question via Facebook about story progression in Star Trek Online, that it seems to be a little slow, uh, with only four new featured episodes over the course of about, over the last six months or so, Uh, and he asks if we're going to see a better or more frequent release in the upcoming months. Of of episodes? Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a, a standard pace that we release our episodes at outside of, of course, uh, major expansions. Um, and so we've been focusing on um, other other types of content. Um, you kind of, you see some of it uh, in some of the events we release, like the uh, Arena Song Pack and uh, freshly announced today, um, uh, Kobayashi Maru. And uh, there's another one that was developed during the same time as season 13 that uh, has yet to have been released that's also super duper fun. So uh, we're looking at different types of content to get out there, not, uh, not just more episodes. Well, you mentioned the arena of Sompek, which, uh, uh, from my understanding, is uh, because I don't play ground. It's like the no-win scenario, except on the ground. But we just heard recently that you guys are bringing in the Kobayashi Maru, which sounds like the no-win scenario. So has the mission changed? So the title changed? Or did the old name just never make sense because, you know, you're trying to win it? So the old uh, mission is gone. This is a brand new mission. Um, You'll see some similarities, um, but um, more similarities to Arena of Songpack than you would see to No One Scenario. Um, There are two versions of the queue. Again, we we listened to the feedback from that first Arena of Songpack. And we've made some changes there, but for uh, Kobayashi Maru, there's a a 15-minute version um, that you see as far as you can get, then it's over in 15 minutes. And then there's the unlimited version if you need to uh, 
literally see how far you can get with all the crazy things we can throw at you over the course of that uh, queue. So is there a max or is there just, does it keep going and going and going? Uh, no, that will go on until uh, the Kobayashi Maru is dead or everyone on their map is dead at the same time. Ah, okay. All right. So literally you could, you know, get a stack of Cheetos and a few bottles of Mountain Dew. And if you're good enough, the game will just keep throwing stuff at you. That is absolutely correct. Well, wow. okay. That, 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 that's a challenge. A challenge, that's right. The challenge cryptic exception. has just thrown down the gauntlet. All right, well, and speaking of that, uh, so you talked about learning lessons and taking on feedback from Arena of Sompec. So uh, maybe are there plans to sort of tweak that? Hint, hint. Uh, this was translated to uh, from some of our fans. Bring better rewards to the table uh, and, and maybe re-release that one as well? Uh, yeah, so we've uh, kind of earmarked a bunch of things we wanted to adjust based on uh, how everybody was able to progress and how far people were able to get. Um, and we do have deeper plans for, um, for rewards for this type of, for this type of event. So uh, you will definitely see it again uh, sometime this year. So does this kind of dovetail in with your sort of uh, PVP slash PVE ideas where you're trying to get more people to, to cooperate against the environment. Uh, do you see Sompec and, and Kobayashi Maru kind of fitting into that uh, direction you're going? Absolutely. With the, the goal being, you know, you mentioned episodes earlier, they come out with seasons, but coming up with more of these um, types of events that we can release throughout the year. So there's always something new going on, you know, with somewhat more regularity, you're always getting something new. Oh, I haven't played that before. I haven't played that before. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of our goal. Do you see this fitting into the, maybe that uh, the reputation system somehow? Uh, you know, things that you can you know, re- earn marks for this sort of competitive PVE slash P? Uh, possibly. Um, we're looking at a slightly different system for, for these types of events. Um, you probably won't see it with the Kobayashi Maru, but uh, potentially the one after that. Okay, so there are other events uh, or other types of, of uh, uh, scenarios planned along these lines that you're not able to talk about at this very moment. That is correct. We've been uh, we've been playing one quite a bit, and it is a super duper fun. And you guys are really missing out. <laughs> <laughs> so last week, STO released a blog on the new Endeavor system. Is this system intended to help attract more players to the PVE queues? It's meant to attract players to a wide variety of different um, gameplay options. the The challenges that exist, um, some of them are. You know, in episode play, some of them are for foundry, for crafting. The goal is to, you know, occasionally one will pop up that, oh, play my favorite queue. Great. I play that one all the time anyway. I'll just blow through that. But some of them are, oh, I don't really upgrade things that often. Maybe I should upgrade something because this Endeavor system is giving me that as a challenge and will reward me for it. All so right. it's to let people kind of plumb the depths of uh, Star Trek Online and see everything we have to offer. So what kind of rewards would there be for that then for completing a challenge? Uh, I believe we're going to have, uh, we'll have a little blog update for that, but it'll be uh, on the rough side. It'll be a box. You won't be able to predict what you're getting, but it'll be random among, you know, five to seven different uh, rewards. So you complete the challenge, you get the reward, and then they'll be available every couple of days for you to do that. All right, cool. Why don't we talk a little bit about the Endeavor system for a moment um, and just kind of do a brief recap of what players can expect from it um, if they have not yet read the blog. Sure. Um, it's, internally, we were calling it uh, the challenge system, you know, so kind of the, what's the challenge of the of the period. So every, every two days, and then there's one that runs the weekend, uh, you'll be given uh, a challenge to, uh, to do. So it's like, oh, play three episodes or, you know, earn 500 in Dabo at Quarks or 
upgrade an item to, you know, from Mark 11 to Mark 12, something like that. And so you'll have two days to complete your challenge. And if you do, you'll get a reward directly out of that system. Um, and then two days later for everybody, it updates again. So everyone's kind of focused on what the, uh, what the challenge is, what the uh, endeavor is for that, uh, for that day, for that couple of days. But it's the same endeavor for everyone during that time. So it's not like I might have Dabo and Winters would have play the three missions. Correct. It should be okay. uh, should be for everyone the same one. Okay. Okay. Now, wh- now tell me a little bit about the genesis of that this particular system. Like, what what inspired you guys to look into creating this challenge system? To you know, we talked a little bit earlier about you know trying to attract players to PVE queues or whatnot. What was the need or what was the opportunity sought in, in when developing it? So it's funny, um, we've, uh, we've hired a lot of new people for Star Trek, and so we get a lot of that fresh player feedback from, uh, from game devs when they come in and play. And a lot of them are surprised at how much there is to do in the game, and, and like, oh, I didn't know we could do that, didn't know we could do that. So we saw this as a way to kind of show our breadth to the community, as well as kind of reward them for playing things they may not normally play, like ground combat, that was recently mentioned. Yes, oh, I, I mention that frequently. How I don't do that. <laughs> you missed out on the arena. That was that was a fun time. I I guess it's not it's not for everybody. It's not it, it's not for everybody. No, well, this is an interesting uh, concept, and and I, I look forward to it because I think that yeah, sometimes you kind of get into a bit of a, and this is for any MMO, you get into a little bit of a funk, and this is a nice way of kind of going in and, and not feeling like you have to do your daily chores, so to speak. Um, and again, not limited just to Star Trek Online, but any MMO. Um, so this is awesome. That's yeah, really cool. It's kind of it's kind of nice. You know, I I enjoy watching like different shows on Netflix or whatever. And when you're gonna choose which episode of Star Trek you're gonna watch. You might get a little bit of like, oh, I'm not sure, this is not the perfect one, I don't want to watch that one. But if you're just watching TV and it popped on, you're like, oh, that one's cool, I'll watch that episode. So kind of providing something for you to, to do uh, might give you more of a chance to do it than say, ah, I could do that any old time. Now, is there was there any sort of, in, internally when you're having these discussions, is there something like, this was a really underutilized piece of our game, or this is a piece of the game that was really popular when it first came out, but really sort of nosedived? Was there, is there anything of that going on where you're like, boy, wish people did more of that thing? Yeah, I mean, we've cleaned up um, a lot of our of all of our older systems. And so there are people that play specific pieces of content exclusively. You'll get people that, you know, only DOF or only do Admiralty or like to play episodes or only like to hang out in Earth Space Dock and talk with people. So uh, we're trying to get those people to kind of explore a little bit more in the game. It's not that any one individual thing isn't getting attention. It's that we're giving players, you know, incentive to try things that they don't normally play. So like I said before, sometimes the endeavor will hit the thing that you do all the time. So it'll be quick for you. Other times like, oh, I don't normally do that all the time. I'll go in there and check that out. And of course, if it's popular, we have plans to potentially do uh, an expansion on this system, which is something that we always kind of plan for. All right. So if there's a big uptake on it, you'll note it and then and move stuff forward with it. Do you, is it, and this is where we get to the whole gamer calculus, do you anticipate that the rewards that you're kind of offering here are big needle movers? Like, like oh my God, I've got to do my endeavor. Like, is it going to become a part of people's daily routine to log in and do these endeavors? Or is it just like, eh, I'm, not, I'm bored. I'll do this. So the uh, in general, we try to make sure that the time commitment involved on these endeavors, like you're not spending your entire play session right. trying to get your endeavor, right? It's something that you might spend a reasonable amount of time playing. So the rewards are built to kind of reward you for that amount of time that you would participate. Okay, so it's, it's more keyed to if we're going to use the old gold standard of like a dilithium reward. 
this is you know if it's it's kind of keyed to that kind of cheeks and seats time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. So we are celebrating the 30th anniversary of Star Trek: The Next Generation. Um, what, if anything, can we expect in Star Trek Online? Well, you've already seen us start to do some things for uh, for the Next Generation. We've uh, had uh, you know some lockbox ships, and we had a promotional ship go out there. Um, and an entire lockbox that was kind of themed towards uh, TNG, which was very exciting. But we definitely do have more things planned for throughout the year, but uh, unfortunately I have to keep those under wraps. But I will say they're very cool. Is there, awesome. and this is, the, the, t- the clock is ticking, Steve, and that's why we're asking. I mean, we're just, we're, we're concerned. We have concerns, <laughs> oh, well, we've TM. Been, we've been developing these for some time, but if you recall, the actual 30th anniversary isn't until September. So oh, oh, okay. Oh, some I, amount I, of time I see. before I see. we're actually there. You know, it's, it's not like, what, I mean, we do it in January, and then September rolls around. It's like, well, where's our other reward? Where's our other, <laughs> right. so, uh, our other thing to celebrate? So, so like, okay, well, we'll, we'll get you this time. We'll celebrate. So, so write this down guys we we expect everything by september we're holding them to this we're gonna we're gonna that's gonna come back and bite them write it down and and one of those items i'll say has been um often asked for since launch so i'm looking forward to finally getting that out there oh man you know the first thing that popped in my head was poker oh good good god no it's not that Okay. Oh, dang it! Well, that goes. That goes. Next question. Never mind. That was going to be our next question. <laughs> when is poker coming to start? Yeah. Dang it! Well, oh well. So, not, not by the end of this year. Okay. <laughs> so, Stephen, we talked a little bit about this with uh, Al Rivera when he uh, dropped by on us uh, a few weeks ago. That um, Cryptic has acquired um, the IP for Magic: The Gathering. So, congratulations on that. Thank you very much. It was a fun announcement. Yeah. What? Um, how, if at all, does something like that affect? the development for Star Trek Online in any way, shape, or form, if at all? Um, generally, not that much. Um, when, we'll, when we spool up a new project, we'll pull some of our vets, you know, and, and take them over to the new project to make sure it gets off on the right foot. Um, but that happened some time ago. But some people, you know, a couple people from Neverwinter, a couple people from Star Trek headed over. And so we hire up some new heads and train them up. And in general, it's not that big of a, of a impact to the team because we know what we're doing. We know how long things take. We know how to train our people. We've been doing this for quite some time. So um, as far as what you would see as a, as a community, you it would probably be invisible. That's cool. the goal anyway. That right. is the goal, yeah. Right. Okay. Right. Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so we've got a few topics here that uh, we decided we wanted to play a little game. Tony, why don't you describe it to, to our listeners? So so as longtime listeners of Priority One know, um, I, I, I am an inveterate trickster. Um, and I uh, attempt to uh, 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 trap our uh, uh, gracious uh, guests on into into uh, revealing things that they uh, don't want to reveal because they can't reveal very much, you know, NDAs and and and, uh, and development and all that kind of thing. But we're going to play a little game with some of those topics that we're calling Trash Bin Whiteboard Soon TM. So I'm going to ask uh, uh, Stephen a variety of topics. I'm going to put these topics out to him, and he can uh, categorize them as trash bin like not even on our my radar whiteboard it's there but nothing's firm or soon tm meaning hold your horses we'll get around to it at some point and uh, we're going to give him an out called the sticky note whether it's uh, he thinks it's a good idea that he wants to look into or no comment so uh so the trash bin whiteboard or soon tm so the first one steven you ready i'm ready any questions i will i'll have some of Okay, as they as they as they arise. Okay, here we go. Uh, topic number one: trash bin whiteboard or soon TM. 
DS9 revamp? Uh, Whiteboard Plus. Whiteboard Plus. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> Any follow-up comments? Secret fourth answer. <laughs> secret yeah. fourth. All right, all right. Whiteboard Plus. All right, all right. It's Question? actually it's ri- it's on the whiteboard written in a different color. Oh, uh, <laughs> so. yeah. Elijah called it. <laughs> all right. Uh, question number two, Trashman, Whiteboard, or soon TM, cross-faction teaming? Uh, whiteboard. We actually have talked about it and potentially tying it to completing um, surface tension. That kind of ends the ends okay. the war between yeah, the Klingons. So the new that's something we've definitely talked about um, and would like to get to. So that's something okay. that's kind of in the backlog more than it's just on the whiteboard. Okay. Awesome. All right. Question number three, Trashboard, Whitebin, or soon TM. This comes from uh, listener Jason Burich. Duty officer update. I'm not sure on what kind of update. Um, we've talked forever about doing a, a duty officer 3.0. Um, we've costed it out, and if we do it the way we want to do it, it would be rather expensive. But it is something that we have considered. Uh, we'll call it whiteboard. Okay. okay. All right. Well, is Your that turn. because is that because you're gonna make it into like a web a web platform where we can play oh. on our phones? No, 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 no. You don't get it. Sorry, I'm sorry. No follow ups. No follow ups. No follow ups. That, yeah, that boy. All I heard was static for the last. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's funny. That's what we hear when Elijah talks too. Just, hey. just a buzzing. Okay. Hey, winners, you take it. You take over. Okay. So next one. Um, overall holding contribution option on console fleet screen. No, no, we, we've we've talked about it. Uh, we right. actually saw the uh, the little bit of that ask from the boards, mm-hmm. and so um, that, that's kind of a quality of life feature that we like to look at um, on uh, on our software team. Right. So that's something that I'll call also Whiteboard Plus, where we've talked about it and kind of put it in the software backlog to to get to that. Nice, awesome. Uh, number five, fleet resource use balance pass. So. The amount of resources that are required to complete a day's worth of fleet projects. We've talked about adjusting what goes in there, but we see the um, Armada system as the way for people to kind of make it work based on fleet sizes or if there's uh, too much stuff. But we, we the system team likes to evaluate what's uh, what's in there, and we've considered doing some changes. I'll say whiteboard, just, whiteboard I, minus. Unless, I think I'm, he, unless I, I'm misunderstanding the question. No, no, you got it. I, I, I think he just used a sticky note on you. He's, you know, we'll, we'll get to that. It's a sticky note. I think it's a sticky okay. note. Okay, okay. If that's a sticky note, all I right. I think he all used right. a sticky note on that one. Okay, you know your system. I'll, I'll go yeah. with the sticky note. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> From Siamese and Stow Rules, what about an exploration revamp? Uh, so we've, uh, we have a design doc. We've kind of come up with a, a couple of different pitches at it. And in fact, have done some... Um, some initial implementation to kind of get a Ooh. get a feel for what it could be, um, but uh, it would take a while to get to. So um, well, that's between it, Whiteboard Plus and Soon TM. It's it's it's, it's nudging. It's nudging. It's nudging, but uh, I wouldn't. That, that's a that's a big bold TM on there. A big fat bold TM. Okay. Yeah. Well, all right. So so I have a question. It, earlier, you said the duty officer update. You guys had had pr- like priced it out, like budgeted it out, sort of speak, yep. like a rough estimate. Yep. Is that are, are you that far in expiration revamp? Like where you guys have kind of. Yes, we have a budget. Right. We have a budget for that. We know we know how long it would take. Nice. So the pro- the difference is duty officer revamp. We kind of know exactly what we would do. Mm-hmm. Um, any system that's brand new, there's an element of risk where yeah. we, there's, you know, there's a 20% overage and then things could go even further sideways and eat up more time than that. So we have a, we have an extended ballpark where we're like, okay, this should be enough to cover it. But that's certainly a, a fair amount of time. 
Nice. Uh, from Geralinera, there you go, and Green Dragoon, Foundry updates. Depends on the updates. I know that uh, that Maria's, you know, regularly working to get different critter groups in and things like that. And we generally like to have something for our software team that's on the backlog for um, for extra features for our Foundry authors. So I'll say I'll say sticky note. Sticky note. Though. Sticky All note. Right. Yeah, yeah. All right. Great. From Cool Batman, regular incentives to run older queues. Uh, soon TM, we had something oh. that, uh, was, um, we had something that was very close to shipping with, uh, with season 13 that didn't quite make it, but we're, uh, we're still working on that should give some incentive, um, to players to check out those, uh, those older cues. Nice. Cool. cool. Yeah. From one of our patrons, David S character and account banks. His particular concern was sets trying to keep all your sets together. You get lots of sets. I, I don't understand the question. Like, are, are there more space or? Well, I mean, the, the uh, every time you have a new reputation system or you know a new uh, um, sort yeah, of story arc kind a of a thing, you get a set. You get a set. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's tough to keep track of those things. Yep. It's 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 weird to keep track of those. So maybe maybe this is his. Uh, this is a sticky note thing. Maybe it's like, is there a, is there a way that can be organized? You know, uh, another another tab. I don't know. Oh, which like a, like Another a set sorting tab? and uh, like yeah. A oh, okay, yeah, no sticky note. Yeah, yeah, we could. That's something that could work for our sorting option, where sets of the same type kind of go together when mm-hmm. you hit the sort button. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, interesting. Okay, yeah, sticky note. Sticky I'm note. also finding that um, the drops from the new competitive play system, um, like that, would be awesome on a separate tab. You know, like the little things like that. I think that that's that's generally overall a quality of life thing that that would be welcome. Okay, awesome sticky note. From Kininara, final question. Acti- the final question from Kininara: Auto activation for Bridge Officer powers on PC. So this is ported over from the console. Yep, yep, yep. Pro- probably not. We've considered it and could definitely do it, but it was a consideration for the speed of activating things on console. And and boy, you guys are already flying along pretty quick. If we also automated all of your bridge officer powers, my goodness. So yeah, yeah, Elijah, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what my space bar is for. That was that was Elijah's answer on that one. <laughs> I, listen, all I, you people I, I, tying the keys together on your on your key, key length lines. thing. Mm-hmm. Ruined it for everybody. Trash bin. Is there anything else from console that you guys have thought about porting over to PC? I mean, for instance, like the UI or or at least control? Yeah, the biggie for us we've talked about is potentially, um, you know, you plug in a controller and it gives you the option to play with the console interface and UI. But then you'd have to do the audio activation. We could, but you'd have to be playing with the controller to do that. You wouldn't have your mouse. Um, so that would be the, the limiting factor there. But, uh, yeah, we definitely talked about that and, like, letting you have that experience if you don't own an Xbox One or a PlayStation 4. Interesting. Very cool. I have a question for you guys. Oh, yeah. Oh. Whoa, uh, for, table turn. For the new uh, competitive PvE system, which queue do you like the best and why? Binary Circuit, the ground one. That's um, my favorite, too. Um, that's the only ground one allowed, I've ever not hated. Am I allowed to have favorites? Yes. I don't know. Okay, yes, good. Yeah, that's, that's, my, that's my favorite, too. And, and I'll tell you, it's the only ground mission that I haven't hated immediately when I've done it. Mm. So that that is extremely high praise, I think, for me. <laughs> mm. Yes. So you guys did a good job on that one. Agreed. Yeah, I like that one quite a bit. More of that? Would you like more of that type of play, like Binary Circuit or um, the competitive version of the... Um, uh, trials and uh, tribulations in space. Here's what I, here's what I think about uh, the the idea of, of binary circuit is that some of it does depend on your luck of the queue for a little bit, but then your chances of having a good group or a bad group are fifty fifty, not 
ninety percent of the time I have a group that stinks, and ten percent of the time my group is uber powered. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's it's it, it it's it's almost like a self balancing mechanism. Is that if you try it again later, your chances are fifty fifty. You're going to get with a good group, not ninety ten. You're going to get with a bad group. Yeah, I, I think that that the, the the way that that's built, uh, the way that it's structured like that, might be uh, kind of an improvement. The big difference between both is, for the space queues, your build is a lot more um, of a requirement compared to binary circuit, where you know your ultimate challenge is to get past the obstacles. So your ground build isn't really as much of an issue there, you know. Whereas with the space queues, you you need to have a you know. Or your space, your space build becomes more relevant. Yeah, it was uh, it was interesting as we were developing this. We originally talked about this being um, like an actual hardcore PvP update, right? And then as we were kind of combing through the boards and looking the way players play, we're like, that no one's no one's gonna like that. Like, no one one percent of the population right. plays that. So that's where we sat down and brainstormed, like, oh well, it's PVE, but they're still competing against each other and can kind of mess with mm-hmm. each other a little bit. Yeah. Um, and so we thought that was really cool. And then we wanted to see what people thought where we, you know, we had the space one where it ends, where everyone's in the same room and they don't have to fight. Um, I have heard the boards. It seems like that is not everyone's favorite because there's actual PVP involved. Um, but it was, we wanted to try that one out and see what, uh, what people thought. So it was good that we kind of discovered potentially a new type of queue or content that people yeah. enjoy. Well, I think, I, think, I, don't, I think it's not a bad thing to offer the option, but I think that you probably, it might be better if you actually just made it that way all the way so people knew when they were getting into it i know i'm not going to get into a pvp fight when i start this queue or i know i am going to get into a pvp fight and i'm and i better bring my PV, pvp bill for the whole thing because it's going to be mostly that no, yeah that's, that's and that's fair we could put that in the like in the queue when you're signing up for it yeah. it's funny we you know we call it the competitive pve but internally for a long time at first because it was funny but then just because we kept calling that we called it uh pvevp <laughs> just a big <laughs> sure. big mouthful right sure it just made us laugh every time so steve we have you on you know roughly about every six months or so last time we had you on was in the end of last year to kind of go over star trek online yeah. uh, in 2016 so we talked a little bit about you know in september celebrating the, the 30th is there anything else in, in the next six months of, of star trek online that you're excited about and can tease us with um well i mean i kind of teased you with uh, awesome tng stuff yep um we're no that's a hard deadline september hard you promised, deadline. You promised. <laughs> I, uh, did i promise my goodness no you did not promise and then we um you know hard at work on the on the following update that uh that we'll probably talk more about at, uh, at stlv um so a lot of really cool stuff there um and we just released a blog um on the that kind of is a as a runner up for the new episode that's that's coming soon, um, soon TM. Uh, I think that one is going to be very cool and kind of reintroduces a an awesome character into into Star Trek Online. But yeah, we've got we've got a lot of awesome plans for this year and uh, for the first half of next year for sure. Um, and we're already in deep planning stages for a lot of stuff that's coming cool. next year. So. Awesome. Now you mentioned uh, Star Trek Las Vegas. What if if you can share what presence, if any, will you guys have there? Uh, we're planning on a booth, and we're planning on a panel, and uh, we might also uh, may or may not have a, a panel with the CBS um, stage as well. Kind of maybe more of a little fireside chat. So you know we can only get through so many questions at the at the main stage, but this one might be more of a back and forth where you can kind of grill us. Uh, potentially outside of just the the meet and greet where we head off to the i-bar and, and chat with everybody and so we're we're planning on having some you know some interesting interesting topics at the main panel and uh maybe some maybe some exciting reveals 
Nice. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Well, Stephen, thank you so very much for joining us on this episode of Priority One Podcast. Uh, if Is there anything that we might have missed that you wanted to share before uh, we let you go? I think you covered it pretty well. It was a good episode. Awesome. Wonderful. As always, it's great to have you, and we will see you at Vegas. Absolutely. Message coming in, sir. Hailing frequencies. Open. See? We are getting to know each other. Again, a huge thanks to Star Trek Online's executive producer, Stephen Rocosa, for joining us on this episode of Priority One Podcast. We look forward to seeing you at Star Trek Las Vegas. Now, Captains, this is the part of the show where we open hailing frequencies for your incoming messages. There was not a community question for episode 323. We are sorry. But you guys were incredibly awesome, and you kept the conversation going throughout the week. And for that, we are extremely grateful. So here are some of our best. From Facebook, James Sillette wrote in, quote, I don't want to poo-poo the uniforms, end quote. <laughs> Source? I would like to point out that he writes poo, like Poo. But poo poo is like it's spelled P O O H dash P O O H. It's like poo poo. It's a thing. Is it, is that a British thing? I, I've heard it in America too. I, I, okay, yeah. 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 It's, it's a, it's, <laughs> yeah. There's no bodily function involved in when you when you poo poo something. Yes, it's it's almost it's almost French in character, like a bidet. Yes. <laughs> From the Star Trek Online forums, Tyler Maxwell said, Hey, P1. I really do hope. Hey, ya. Hey, ya. <laughs> hey, hey. I really do hope that the amount of money the Discovery folks have spent on things like quote unquote blue fabric from Switzerland correlates to the level of effort they've put into creating a good story. Because plenty of shows and movies have expensive costumes, sets, effects, etc., yet that didn't insulate them from being awful. Example, see Jupiter Ascending. Ugh, absolutely. And from Facebook, Daniel DiGiorgio says, I'm totally game for whatever, honestly. Just wow me. That's all I ask. Make me enjoy it because it's good. Unpack the boxes, fire the cannon, with one N, and give me a good story. Rad effects, and most importantly, characters that I will grow to love. That's really all I ask. You know what? I wholeheartedly agree with Daniel. It's, it's a tall order, but it's fantastic. And well said, sir. Well said. From PriorityOnePodcast.com, Eklinar said, In case you weren't aware, Garrett Wong has started doing regular live streams on Twitch.tv. He discusses Trek and plays games and chats with viewers. I had a great time on his last stream. Check out his Twitter account for when he's going to stream. And then Eklinar also said, here's a one-minute clip of a funny moment on his last stream. So if you want to go and have a look at that, just head over to PriorityOnePodcast.com forward slash PO323, that was for the last episode, and find his uh, comment. I just want to take a moment and acknowledge that his URL is hot cute raccoon OS frog. That's that's good. You know, that I would never have guessed that. Via Twitter, Frankie Dewspace wrote in, Welcome back to the Star Trek universe. This is with respect to Jonathan Frakes returning as a director for Star Trek Discovery. And along a similar line from Facebook, Dan Moritz says, Most exciting news about the new series yet. Frakes fundamentally gets it. Excited to see his involvement. From Twitter, Johnny Simpson Jr. says, Catching up on Engage Eps. Totally nerded out on the Trek online game discussion. Can't wait to play again. Uh, live long and prosper emoji. Uh, did a double take when at Priority One Pod guys said they don't use torpedoes, though. What strategy did I miss? Well, 
Thanks to Winter's Top Tips, now you know. And once again from PriorityOnePodcast.com, Sean Newboy says, Wonderful show, everyone. Thank you once again. We love you, Sean Newboy. And this week's Title It Tuesday's winner is Hippie John with, and in this photo, Jace plays, I crush your head when the others point out the victim target. Uh, so this week's photo was from Star Trek Las Vegas, gosh, I want to say 2014, when Cookie, Jace, myself, Skiffy, Tony was there. Tony came in late that year, though. We were uh, we had shared the, the Trek radio booth uh, and broadcast live that year from the Trek radio booth. And in the image, we're also joined by Nick Duguid, Taco Fang's environment artist for Star Trek Online, and we're all pointing towards the camera. I think we were doing engage. That's what we were that's what we were emulating. But you guys took it to a whole new level and we had some phenomenally hilarious comments and captions. These are going so well, guys. We love the engagement that we're getting from you and how how much fun you're having with them because you are making us like laugh to tears. We have somebody like Chris Keen going the extra mile, putting chat bubbles over our heads and adding dialogue. I mean, these are great. These are great. And we love, we love to see it. This is the kind of stuff that keeps us going from week to week. So thank you so much, guys. Well, that wraps up episode 324 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. For more great podcasts like Mission Log and Women at Warp, go to podcasts.roddenberry.com. But before we go, we cannot forget to send a special thanks to our Patreon supporters, Navy Boat Slew, David S., who we will see this year at Star Trek Las Vegas, Lee Malian, and Admiral. Now here's a reminder of what our community question is for this week. Did you play the Kobayashi Maru in Star Trek Online? What did you think of it? Captains, you know we love hearing from you. Leave us a comment on our website at PriorityOnePodcast.com, on our Facebook page at Facebook.com forward slash PriorityOnePodcast, or tweet us via at PriorityOnePod. Don't miss a thing from the world of Star Trek. Catch our episodes every Monday by pointing your favorite podcast app to feeds.PriorityOnePodcast.com. You can even join in on the fun while we record our episodes live on Thursday nights at around 11 p.m. Eastern. Keep an eye on our social media channels for details. And if that wasn't enough... You can join us in Star Trek Online in the Priority One Armada. If you're interested, just head over to PriorityOneArmada.com and sign up today. This episode of Priority One Podcast is brought to you by our patrons through Patreon.com. Find out more and add your support at Patreon.com forward slash Priority One. Even if you can't make a financial contribution, please help spread the word about the show and invite your fellow Trekkies. It's your support that keeps us going. Don't forget to tune in to Priority One Productions' Guard Frequency podcast at GuardFrequency.com. Covering the world of space sims including Star Citizen, Elite Dangerous, Descent Underground, and many more. If you like this show, then listening to Guard Frequency is the logical choice. Again, a special thanks to Star Trek Online's executive producer, Stephen Salami Inferno Ricosa, for joining us on this episode of Priority One. Thanks to our audio team, led by Michael McDonald, with assistance from Brandon Parker and Jake Morgan, and with support from Midnight Shadow 7 of Hollow Sweet Media. Speaking of Jake Morgan, as always, we're thankful for his contributions to our social media endeavors. Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. 
Thanks to our syndication partners, Subspace Radio and Trek Radio. Thanks to our Patreon associate producer, Navy Boat Slew. But most importantly, a big thanks to you, the Star Trek community, and our listeners. Because without your ongoing support, none of this would be possible. Enemy ship on sensors. Red alert. Shields up. Ready weapons. Engage. This is Elijah. Trek it out. Sync one. This is Kenna. Trek it out. Sync two. This is Tony. Trek it out. Sync three. I'm not recording a track. Just go ahead. Are you sure? Because you uh, often say that and then you say stuff. Yeah, I know. Yeah. No, that's all right. Come on. Trek it out in three. Now the audio editors are who they're talking to. <laughs> <laughs> Trek it out in three, two. <laughs> But it's not just the Vesta in here. There's a tier six version of the Aventine called the Palatine. Is this for yes. real? <laughs> yeah, Palatine class. <laughs> not <Okay>. Palpatine. Palatine. <laughs> for a second there, I got a little confused. It's that other show. <laughs> That's, yeah. But it's not just the Vesta here. There's a tier six version of the Aventine called the Palpatine. The not Aventine the Palpatine. featured a multiple. <laughs> it, I should leave it there. I sh- we should just leave it and see if anybody notices. Everyone will notice. We'll get letters. Come on. Can we? Let's just do it. Let's, let's do it. Let's, let's do, do it. it. Have let's a little it. fun. All right. <laughs> but it's not just the Vesta in here. There's a tier six. <laughs> you can't do it without laughing. You can't do it. You can't do it. You can't do it. Say Vaseline this time. Just to... But it's <laughs> <laughs> the Vaseline class. <laughs> It'd be a popular one, probably. It's smooth. <laughs> Runs like greased lightning. <laughs> effects etc yet that didn't insulate them from being awful example <laughs> she was jumping ahead to jupiter Exemptable. that's not even a word it, it is now Man, but you know, you know what's funny is, a, is that you Dick. delivered it with conviction, <laughs> and you gave it a true that ten percent. Oh man! <laughs> <laughs> it like took you a second to realize what the hell just happened. It was like you were you were stunned. It was like you got a, like you were stunned by your oh, own man. mistake. Kenny, you're drinking water next week. Shh. <laughs> uh, I can't I can't wait yeah, for that to be water. in the bloopers. <laughs> oh my god, that's, that's a different cup. I know, it's my water. Yeah, I have, wa- yeah, I have water. My Starbucks, it's kind of like, you know, it's my Christmas in July. Well, it's my Christmas in. Uh, wine. In <laughs> oh, I nearly spat my water out then. <sighs> Examinable. Ugh, absolutely.
Tony from Facebook, no. <laughs> I did. Yeah. You did not literally just deliver that. I I had to jump in. You guys were never laughing at stuff I did. I had to give him something. Nothing I was doing was funny. I was doing was to do something. I'm not going to be in the bloopers at all this week if I don't screw up these Winters never puts me in the bloopers anymore. I see all kinds of funny stuff. Winters never puts me in. It's the only part of the show I listen to. Oh man, you guys are so close to the We end. have 20 minutes. We have a full 20 minutes. We're going to be done on time. Oh, okay. Man. <clears throat> My cheeks are sore. Uh